Hey there. Welcome to the Global Wear Podcast. I'm Toby Barrett. Today, social media manager Sika and I take a trip to Nepal. Sika talks a little bit about our two programs, giving a little insight into what it's like to stay in a monastery, and about the culture, the climate, and the experience of Nepal. It's an exciting one. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, um, today we're back uh, at the Global War Podcast. I'm joined by Sika and we're going to be taking a trip to Nepal. How are you, Sika? I'm good, Toby. I'm glad to be back. And yeah, I'm excited to talk about our two programs in Nepal. Could we start by just telling us, we have two programs there. Could you tell us a little bit about each? Yeah, so uh, Nepal is a country that is between um, India and China, and actually our India coordinator, Rahul, is also our coordinator for the Nepal program. And so um, in Nepal, the capital is Kathmandu, and so outside of Kathmandu, there is a place where there are a lot of monasteries. So one of our programs, um, you actually get to go live in a monastery with young monks in training. So you get to be immersed in a really spiritual environment and have a really unique experience there. And then um, the other program, you'd actually take an overnight bus and head to Chitwan, which is um, our program there is located in a national park up in the mountains. So two very different experiences, but two amazing experiences. Yeah, sounds like it. Could you tell us a little bit about the accommodations in, in these two places? Like when you're staying with the monks, what what, are, what, are, what's the, what is the temple? What is the monastery? So with the monastery, it's a bit of a unique experience. So we can't always, um, we we basically work with the monasteries to ask permission for our volunteers to come stay. So if a previous volunteer stayed at a specific monastery and had all boys in that monastery, um, you may not have the same situation in a different monastery. But for the most part, where you'll be staying will be within the monastery. And usually there's some shared rooms, a Western toilet. You may not have immediate hot water, but there's usually kettles that can be boiled or some kind of um, water heater. And um, you'll usually have a bed you'll share with one other person. I mean, there'll be two beds, a room you'll share with one other person. Sorry. (laughs) Let me reiterate that. So you'll be sharing a room with another person. There are usually two beds and the accommodations tend to be a little bit minimal, but it's to give you that experience because a lot of the monks there, you'll notice there's very little materialistic things. Um, They live very simple lives. And so you would be kind of immersing yourself in that similar kind of living accommodation. Yeah. On that note, uh... Could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, the what to expect in terms of, of cultural norms or, uh, I guess, like things to to remember and keep in mind when you're at a monastery? 
Yeah. So, and and the same goes for our other program in Chitwan. Um, similarly, which by the way, I didn't mention in Chitwan, we do a lot of um, teaching as well. And we do reconstruction for some old homes in rural areas. But with the monastery, um, the cultural norms, because uh, Nepal has a huge Hindu population and a really big uh, Buddhist population, it does tend to be a little bit more conservative, respectful. Um, it's important to be covered when you enter uh, spiritual sites, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of temples. There's a lot of uh, Tibetan-style stupas, so it's important to be respectful by covering your shoulders and legs and whatnot. Um, not to wear shoes when you're walking into someone's home or a monastery. Um, there's certain things here and there, um, you know, instead of shaking people's hands, you can do namaste, which is when you put your two hands together and do the little bow, similar to what we do in India. And there's a lot of cultural sim similarities with India and Nepal as well, um, including the food. You'll see a lot of similar dishes like curries and, um, you know, vegetable dishes and roti, the flatbreads and everything. Although if you're staying at the monastery, you are most likely to get all vegetarian food. Mm. And um, that could be the same in Chitwan because uh, sometimes hotels or restaurants may only serve vegetarian food. Although you will find a lot of like tasty meat dishes as well, but that's just something to keep in mind. But yeah, overall, culturally, quite similar to India in some ways, but definitely they have their um, you know own special cultural aspects as well. Gotcha. <clears throat> Some cultural nuances that I thought I'd ask you about are uh, like walking clockwise around the Buddhist stupas. Is that something <laughs> you run into? Um, so that is something uh, I I am not that uh, knowledgeable about, but I do understand it's a big sign of respect when you do that. And there's going to be a lot of little things like that um, when you visit the temples and sites that are important to take note. But usually we'll have a guide with you and they'll explain the history to you and they'll explain, you know, why this is important. And um, hopefully our volunteers well, uh, hopefully our volunteers will remember it better than I do at the moment, yeah. <laughs> but I do understand that it's very um, respectful. Cool. And what about the head wobble? Sometimes <laughs> in Nepal, you, you, I guess you wobble your head side to side, and that means that you agree instead of disagree. Well, okay. So this is something you'll notice in India as well is, and, and it can be frustrating for Westerners if they're not used to it. Um, Sometimes when you ask, you know, some questions, the person may not know the answer. So what they'll generally do instead of saying a hard yes or a hard no, they'll do this little wobble of the head. And it's like, you know, maybe we could see how it goes. <laughs> and it's not meant to be disrespectful. It's very normal to see. You might end up doing it yourself, too. So it's uh, it's not hard to miss that. <laughs> okay. What about... Um... When you give or receive money using your right hand and, and touching your, you touch your right elbow with your left hand, sorry, as a gesture of respect. So I didn't see that too much in the city, but I do believe it's one of those things that um, maybe, you know, it's still good to follow as just a sign of respect. Um, in India, too, there tends to be this idea of, you know, the left hand kind of symbolizing negative things and the right hand symbolizing positive things so we tend to want to do things with our right hands and that could include money or eating food and whatnot so yeah yeah 
yeah are you supposed to when you're like eating or or i guess like passing food to someone else do you do you use your left hand or just your right hand so honestly nowadays no one's really jumping on you for using your okay. left hand or anything people get it they're left-handed people some people are you know ambidextrous they want to use both hands so generally it's not a huge deal but maybe um let your guide or your coordinator know before you eat at someone's home or um, you know go to a temple you might eat something there just to get a heads up if it matters or not I'd say definitely it's respectful to check in on that but I wouldn't get too worried about it <laughs> so yeah okay okay <clears throat> now I guess we we can move on to the the packing information what do you think are what are Sika's essentials for for traveling to Nepal? So definitely altitude sickness medication. And we we talk about this with um I think we've touched this on the Peru program as well. You're up in the mountains, like you have the Himalayas around and Nepal is really famous for trekking and hiking and you know um where we have the monasteries and even our the um program that's in the national park it's going to be up in the mountains. So it's important if you have problems with that um, to have some kind of altitude sickness medication with you. So definitely number one. Number two is to have a flashlight of some kind because there are power cuts. And this would be the same with India too. There do tend to be unscheduled power cuts. So they usually don't last too long, but it is a good idea to always have a backup flashlight. Um, Jacket for, you know, mild rainstorms, uh, if you're there in the winter or spring, but if you're there in summer, definitely have, you know, umbrella jacket for the rain for winter, especially if you're staying in the monastery, pack warm clothes, do not take just a little light jacket and, you know, some closed toed shoes, take proper warm shoes, proper thick jackets, because the monasteries they may have one heater for you, one little electrical heater. And um, for them, that's a lot. But for us, they, that may not be enough. So it's imp really important to pack warmly and, um, you know, hand sanitizer, comfortable shoes, sunscreen. Um, make sure if you can, I mean, you can definitely buy these for cheap in the markets, but some indoor flip-flops. And I would say this is the same for India too. And I'm sorry, I keep throwing in some India stuff as well, because it's so similar. Um, but because you're removing your outdoor shoes, whenever you enter somewhere, sometimes it's good to have a pair of backup indoor flip-flops in, just in case they don't have your size, or if you'd prefer to just have your own. So yeah. Mm -hmm. What about the food? What can we expect in terms of Nepalese cuisine? So with Nepalese cuisine, so um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are always included with your week with us. And it's heavily influenced by its surrounding areas, which would be India, China, and Tibet. So it definitely makes it a little bit more different. Um, similar in that we have rice, you have roti, flatbreads, and some you know vegetable dishes. Um, there's dal, which is lentils, and then there's also tarkari, which is vegetables. And like I mentioned, um, a lot of vegetarian food, like tasty vegetarian food will be available. Um, if you're in Kathmandu, there are going to be more Western restaurants as well. So you'd be able to get pizza, burgers, if you're really craving or missing, you know, certain foods. But I would definitely say pack your own snacks and whatnot, because the monastery, um, you're not really going to have a chance to go 
too often into the city unless you opt to stay in the hotel instead of the monastery. But um, in that case, you're driving back and forth 20 to 40 minutes every day to the monastery project site. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say pack your own snacks and foods you think you may miss. If you if you want to bring water on your trip to the town or or to a, a project, should you bring, you know, filtered water? Yeah. So usually, so um, our Chit One program, you are staying in a hotel and they will have water for you. Same thing if you decide to go for the hotel for the monastery program, they'll have water for you. But you can um, buy filtered water in the market. Um, you can fill up at the hotel. Um, you can definitely um, talk to your coordinator, but you'll have filtered water available to you every day. So um, but definitely carry a tumbler just because it's better than, um, you know, carrying a whole bunch of water bottle, plastic water bottles with you around. So, yeah. Great. Great. <clears throat> Could you tell me a little bit about um, getting into Nepal, kind of the arrival and, and what that looks like and the pickup? Yeah. So, okay. so sure. So basically, when you are planning to go to Nepal, you also will need a visa. Now, there is an online visa application um, for visa on arrival, but you still need to fill it out, I would say at least two weeks ahead of time. And then, you know, make sure to print it out and have it with you. It is going to cost you, I think, maybe around $30 or so. So you're going to land in Kathmandu Airport for both programs. You're going to land there first and, um, you know, go through customs, immigration, everything. And then usually as soon as you exit, we're going to have a coordinator there to pick you up. So you'll see the global wear sign. It's nothing overly complicated. Um, you know, make sure to hit up an ATM in the airport. And uh, yeah, it's not too complicated. Great, great. Could you tell us a little bit about Rahul again, for maybe those who didn't listen to the India podcast and are wondering about the project manager? Yeah, sure. So Rahul is also our project manager and coordinator over in Jaipur, India, where we have our India program. But he also runs our two Nepal programs, and he's great. He also has coordinators who are in Nepal um, who also help out, and um, that may change at times. But he is our main coordinator, so um, usually you will meet him if you are in Nepal. And he's great. Um, he's gone to Nepal multiple times. He, I think he's there like every three, four months um, with volunteers and whatnot. Um, he loves it. He's seen lots of it. I wish he could be here on the podcast today. <laughs> we tried to get him um, just so he could give his insight too, because I definitely think he knows a lot more than me. Um, but he's really friendly, speaks great English, um, always so happy to help out with anything you need. Um, Definitely, it makes the experience like enhances the experience to have such a wonderful coordinator with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> what about the electricity? How, what, what do we need to know about the plugs or, or I guess this, like how often, oh, I guess you already talked about the, the power outages, but what, yeah. is there anything else we need to know? Um, Just make sure maybe to bring some power banks and adapters. Um just so you know, you're able to plug in whatever you need to. And power banks are always great to have, you know, 
because uh, when you, if you go to our Chitwan one, so Nirvana in Nepal is our Chitwan program. And that one is from Saturday to Saturday. And that's because when you land, you're going to go on to an overnight bus just to go up to that national park area. So that's entire, you know, long bus ride. So having a power bank is super helpful to keep you busy if you're able to get you know, some Wi-Fi or do some of your work on your phone or whatever you need to do. Um, and then definitely with the uh, Mystic Nepal, which is our monastery one, when you're at the monastery, it can feel a little bit isolating at times. So um, it's, you know, good. And sometimes you may not have power and whatnot. So it's good to have a little power bank. Very useful. <laughs> Great. What about, I guess we could finish off with, with some leisure activities. What's, what are some fun things to do while you're there? Leisure activity wise. So we'll have a tour guide helping you to like explore Kathmandu with programs. You'll definitely have some exploration time in the city. So um, you'll be seeing the stupas and like some really famous temples. And I honestly cannot say the names right now. <laughs> um, I think there's the Pashpat. Dinath Temple, and then there's also the Swayambhunath Temple, so which gives you like a beautiful view of Kathmandu Valley, and um, lots of temples, lots of famous religious sites. There's some beautiful uh, markets. I think there's a really big market inside of the city itself. And then with Chitwan, you also get to do a safari, so um, that's really fun. So you get to go see right like rhinos, um, oh, wow. all kinds of wild animals and birds. It's super fun. And I think even like crocodiles and whatnot, there's always a chance of what you could see <laughs> be a surprise. Um, but yeah, so those are some of the leisure activities included in your week. What are some of your favorite stories about Nepal? Some of my favorite stories about Nepal. Um, I wouldn't say there's one particular story. I would just say overall, it's a very fun experience. But having been to India so many times, I do sometimes feel like it's so similar in so many ways. <laughs> so um, definitely love being there. It's um, a beautiful place place it can be again overwhelming for quite a few people Kathmandu is also quite um what's the word crowded at times I think especially with the pickup with travel it's definitely becoming a little bit more crowded again so uh no specific stories but I, I Rahul would be the best person for the that question <laughs> for best kind of stories sure. um Ziki could you go a little bit more in depth with the monastery program yeah, sure. So our monastery program, you spend a week in a monastery with these young monks in training. And usually, you know, we talk with the monastery when we have our volunteers come in and, you know, get permission for them to stay there. And monasteries are generally very welcoming. They love to have visitors. Um, but when we tell them, you know, we have someone coming for a week, the volunteer needs to commit for a week because the monasteries um, tend to be private. They keep, you know, their gates closed for security of the young kids. So um, it's important that when we have a volunteer say we're going to stay at the monastery, they actually stay at the monastery so that we can plan when they leave and come back in, you know, for safety and security. And so overall that there's no planning misunderstandings either. 
um, when you're at the monastery, you'll be getting to interact with the monks and the kids and you get to teach them and play with them. And they're just so happy to have a visitor. Um, they love learning English with you, playing games with you. However, it can feel a little bit isolated because when you're at the monastery, our coordinator cannot join you on site. They they don't have permission to join you. They can drop you off there and you can always check in on with them and, you know, join them for leisure activities or any other activities that are planned outside of the monastery. So you might feel a little bit alone inside, but as long as you're prepared for that, you've got, you know, activities and a lesson plan planned out for the kids and everything. It's really an immersive experience. So um, definitely can feel isolating, but it's part of the experience um, that you're independent, you're able to explore around, and you get to interact with these kids. So yeah. Awesome. Amazing. And as always, if if you want to learn more about the program or that experience, you can always just um, ask for one of our orientation guides or, or just call us and, and we'll make sure to answer any questions that, that you might have. Okay. Thank you, Toby, for having me again. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, and with that, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. For more information about Globalware, just visit our website or our Facebook or LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. We're pretty much on every one of those social media platforms. As always, have a good day and safe travels.